This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them ease. And we are back for another edition of the Onside Kick here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you are on YouTube, hey guys, it's nice to see you yet again. If you are on Blog Talk, iTunes, Stitcher, thank you guys for giving us the download and listen today. We got a jam-packed show for you because, Mark, not only have you come out with your 2.0, yep. Todd McShay surprised us. He's out with his 3.0. So, so, so Todd McShay is now a full .0 ahead of us. Not a .0, but you guys get the deal. He is 1.0 ahead yeah, of us. Yeah, number point. He is 1.0 mm. ahead of us. I got to get working on my next one to come out when in a few weeks because I got to work on this stuff. But we got a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking about the Brandon Cooks deal with the Patriots, but not how you may think. We're going to be asking the question, is everything that the Patriots are doing down to Hightower, Brandon Cooks, could 2017 be Tom Brady's last year? And then for the rest of the podcast after that, we're going to dive into the draft. We're going to take a look at Jonathan Allen versus Solomon Thomas and then finish the show talking about O.J. Howard. Is he a top five pick in the NFL draft? But, Mark, we are going to start in New England. New England goes out and gets Donta Hightower. They pay him $43.5 million today. They went out and traded for Brandon Cooks giving up a first-round and a third-round selection for Cooks and a fourth-round selection. I'm going to be plain and simple. Are the Patriots making moves to set up for Tommy's last ride? Well, I think they're doing interesting things, keeping Hightower um, with all the uh, drama surrounding Butler, of Mm -hmm. course, um, after paying big bucks for some more defensive backs on the team. Uh, they are showing that they are not afraid to make moves right now. And then trading away a first-round pick, yeah, it's 32, but still, it's a first-round pick. Trading that away to get a stud-wide receiver. Uh, and right now, with them being completely unwilling to trade Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and shutting all of that down, to me, the writing's on the wall. And that's one of the first things that came to my mind when I saw all these things. I said, man... The Patriots are doing everything they can to assemble the ultimate team, essentially, and make a run. And you sit there and you think... They just won it. They just won one. Why do they need (laughs) to do this now? Well, to me, the only reason why they would need to go balls to the walls to get this one last one, they have to know somebody's leaving. They got two options. It's either Belichick or Tom Brady, and it's more likely to be Tom Brady than Belichick, but hell, it could be both. I mean, it's the perfect time for someone like Tom Brady to retire because Jimmy Garoppolo does not get an opportunity to have a contract year. So they'll re-sign him a good deal, Mm -hmm. but not an all-star deal. Nothing like the kind of the Kirk Cousins, what he would expect Mm -hmm. if he wasn't franchised. He's going to look at potentially more like a Mike Lennon type of deal of Mm -hmm. like, this is good. Or Tyrod Taylor's restructured deal. This is good. It's not amazing. You have a few years and then the opportunity to get more. Uh, It's just perfect opportunity for them to just switch. They go all out. They get one final one, even though I don't understand why they would have needed it. But, hey, the contract year, it kind of helps to not have to pay huge money Mm -hmm. to Jimmy Garoppolo if he does really well. Uh, And I, I don't know. I think that, to me, it just seems obvious. Well, and the thing I'm going to say is, 
I know that already our own Sean Anderson has already read the title and he's already heard you speak about it. And he's already had a heart attack. Oh, I may sure. have to give him some of my blood pressure pills because he has already had a heart attack on the floor dying. And the one thing I'm going to say is I would like to believe that 2017 is not Tom Brady's last year. And I mean, based off of the year that we saw in 2016, people might be saying it is idiotic to even ask the question if 2017 is the last year for Tom Brady. But, but we're not really asking it because we think he's going to drop off or anything like that. It's we're be- asking it's it possible. because of the moves that the Patriots yeah, are making. We're just saying that it seems like Bill Belichick, uh, Kraft, and the whole Patriots organization are doing they're making a lot of moves right now that they don't mm-hmm. really need to make unless they are trying to for sure win a Super Bowl. And sure, they could just be wanting to win a Super Bowl because they want to win Super Bowls. That's totally possible. But I don't think that you can. Sometimes you have to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you got to read between <laughs> the lines. And this is one of those times where I feel like you should read between the lines. Well, and the thing that I'm going to go off of what you said, yeah, we're not saying that we're not making the accusation that Tom Brady's going to fall off because based on what we've seen... We haven't seen it yet. You, you've been, you'd have been be stupid to say, oh, he's just going to have an immediate drop-off. However, we have seen quarterbacks in the past try to play past 40, and this upcoming August, guess who's going to be 40? Tommy, Tommy Brady. And it's one of those things where you hear it all the time. I hear it on First Take. You hear it on um, Uninterrupted. You hear it on all the sports shows. What's the one? Was that supposed to be undisputed? Undisputed. That's what it is. Uninterrupted. The same thing. (laughs) Let's make a show called Uninterrupted. (laughs) The one thing that I always hear on those ESPN's Fox sports shows is, well, you know, father time is undefeated. And he is. Once you get your body gets older, your body regresses. It kind of the kind of like Charles Woodson even talked about it. Halfway through his last season, he was sitting in a hotel room in Detroit, looked out the window at a snowy D-town, and just said, I wouldn't care if the game was canceled today. I just wouldn't care. And that's the moment he said he knew it was time to hang it up. Now, Tom Brady, completely different circumstance. Tom Brady takes care of his body really well. We always hear about what... What he's putting into his body, mm-hmm. how he's taking care of it, especially during the football season. Incredibly competitive. He doesn't want to let somebody mm-hmm. take over. However, the Patriots have to know when everything's going to end. Robert Kraft has already come out and said, I believe it was on the herd, he said this, or it was Colin Cowherd that said that he knew about this, but Robert Kraft knows when Bill Belichick is going to hang it up. He knows Bill Belichick has a date in his head, a kind of like mock, like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. And Robert Kraft knows that. Mm-hmm. And you see these moves. You go out and get a receiver. You go out and re-sign Donta Hightower without giving up Malcolm Butler. These are not Patriot. Like, this is not yeah. what the Patriots do. They were flashy in mm-hmm. free agency, and they made some big splashes on the defense, on the offense. Mm-hmm. They are not... At the same time, although they are, you know, getting rid of a first round pick, things like that, they're not willing to get rid okay, of all the, you know, uh, future like Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. potentially. Although, like I said, they do have to resign him. Let's put it this way: the the way that they move this first round pick, I see it exactly like when the Seahawks won their Super Bowl when they gave the first round pick at the very end of the first round to us, mm-hmm. and we took Teddy Bridgewater. That's basically what they're doing. 
the Saints will get a guy that could help them. Maybe even like I know Teddy Bridgewater in that case is like, Ricky, what are you saying? Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be your quarterback that you could lean on. That's what you took in the first round. But that's the type of pick that they're giving away. They're not giving away anything that they really could have used. No, with that not, first round not pick. for the Patriots. Plus I mean, they're a, plus it's the a Patriots. Patriot way to oh, we don't need a first round yeah. pick. We'll go and get it in the fourth, but the third. The thing to think about with that is that they aren't. What I'm talking about that is I'm mm-hmm. saying that the getting rid of the first round pick is not getting rid of the future mm-hmm. like if they had traded Jimmy Garoppolo because yeah. they believe he well, is the future. And that was the interesting thing is the whole thing that we heard, well, I know I heard on ESPN radio here in Chicago because our kind of city was wrapped around Jimmy the Jimmy Garoppolo trade because the Bears were one of the teams that were looking to trade for him. Everything you heard was, well, you know, the Patriots are shopping Jimmy Garoppolo because some say they like Jacoby Brissett better than they do Jimmy Garoppolo. And they've got him. If you've got that backup at number three, why do you got to hang on to Garoppolo? And then all of a sudden they pull it off. And the day that Jimmy Garoppolo, it was like, nope, he's not going to be traded. Adam Scheffler came out with it. I said Vince Lombardi. I said it on the solo podcast I did. He tweeted right after and said, um, you know what? This is not a move that the Patriots are trying to up his value. They really like Garoppolo. So Lombardi was behind the scene saying, hey, you know, this is them really liking Garoppolo and hanging on to him. And that's kind of what I think it is, too. I don't think they were trying. Obviously, now they haven't upped the deal and they haven't traded him to Cleveland, the team that everyone is like, that's where Garoppolo would go. I think that there might be a plan behind the scenes. It might not be like, oh, this is Tom Brady's last year, but this could be the barometer year for Tom Brady. And I am not saying he's going to fall off before everyone starts click-clacking in the comment section, but this could be the barometer because the one thing that I mentioned earlier that is going to be interesting is Tom Brady turns 40 this year. And we do not know how Mr. Brady is going to react to the age of 40. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, people keep saying something like that. And for all we know, that that might be the one thing Tom Brady wants to do. He just wants to play when he's 40. And then that's it. It might just be one season when he's 40. We really don't know what it is that he Mm -hmm. is looking for. Uh, And I had asked that right after the Super Bowl. You know, fans of the show might remember that. I said, he's already proved that he's the greatest of all time. It's not even an arguable fact anymore. Uh, I mean, well, it's not a debatable thing, I should say. It is a fact now. Uh, He's got the record. He had the best comeback of all time. He put the team on his back due. He Mm -hmm. had the suspension, and he beat Goodell anyways. He did everything he needed. There's nothing really to debate. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. What what is he going to play for now? That was my big thing, and that, and you know, and I, I'm sure what a lot of people said, and what Sean Anderson would say, is, well, he plays because he loves the game, and I get that. Well, everyone, I do. I, I would hope that everyone plays because they love the game. Yeah, a lot of people play for money. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people do play for and money. And Tom Brady is not playing for money. He doesn't need it. He's no, he he's doesn't. set because his wife is rich as hell. Uh, How he can restructure his deal to say, yeah, let me restructure it so that we can go out and give Dr. Hightower $43.5 million. So he doesn't need that. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, my my big thing I'm saying is just, what is it that he's playing for? 
you need when you're an athlete, when you are trying to accomplish a goal uh, or trying to accomplish something, you need to see what it is you're going for. You can't just sit there day after day and go throw this ball 40 times. All right. Score some touchdowns. Maybe win the game. Okay, cool. Why? You know, you need a reason. And any of you who work a job, especially if you work in something like sales or, uh, you know, customer service or something, you need an end goal. You need to see what your work is bringing to the organization, the company, whatever it might be. You need that. Otherwise, you will drive yourself insane. Believe me, I do it every day. Uh <laughs> You know, I need a clear-cut reason why I'm doing these things. And I'm not saying that this is what's going to, you know, make Tom Brady stop. But what I'm saying is I'm sure there is something in his head he is still trying to accomplish. And maybe it is just to shut people up and saying, hey, I'm not over the hill. I am not falling off. Maybe that's all it is. But there just has to be something that's going to make this man go out there, get his ass kicked time and time again because he's a quarterback and quarterbacks get hit a lot. Uh, something has to be that. And maybe it is just like, hey, but that's Tom, the one, let's get one more. That's the one thing with Tom Brady that I will say. He does. It's one of those things where the quarterback does get hit, but Tom Brady doesn't get hit. Like most quarterbacks mm. get hit, he's because of his the sure. three stop patterns and with Brandon Cooks, the one thing that he brings to this team, yeah, they can send him on a fly route, but what route is Brandon Cooks really good at? The good old fashioned slant, which wheels right into what Tom Brady is. One two three out. Yeah. One two three out. Let Gronk go down the field. Yep. Yeah, but the thing about that is, is the man's still going to get hurt. I mean, he's sure mm-hmm. he won't get hurt as as much, but he's still going to get hurt. He's still going to put his body through a lot. Uh, and as we've seen with many quarterbacks and many players in the NFL, mm-hmm. those later years are not too great. Not talking about when you're in the NFL. I'm talking mm-hmm. about when you're retired. That life is not that yeah. great anymore. Well, after you're still dealing with Ex- all, all the injuries hits that you've taken. So I'm just saying that there's obviously something that he's still trying to accomplish. He's mm-hmm. not just going out there for the hell of it. There's well, something he's trying to do. And the one thing I look at is I've just pulled up. This is from the ProFootballHallOfFame.com, and it's a 40 and over club. They have all the players that have played over 40. And I'm just looking at the quarterbacks. You have... George Blanda played until 48. You have 44 was um, some of the notables, Warren Moon and Vinny Testaverde. Um, Doug Flutie, 43. We have um, Mark Brunel, 41. Brett Favre was also 41. A ton of quarterbacks played to 40, where you had mm-hmm. Len Dawson in there. You have um, Matt Hasselbeck, Brad Johnson, um, Jim Thorpe, Johnny Unitas, the one thing out of the ones, because I can't speak for every quarterback over 40, there were just so many of these names that I have not named because I don't want to say them because I never watched him play. Like George Blanda, I had to say him because he played to 48. But that was a different era of football. Yeah. That was a different era, a different time. The They didn't have the same athletes mm-hmm. that we have right now. And we could just be completely wrong and Tom Brady will play mm-hmm. till he's 50. Well, it, he who, could. Who the fuck knows? He could. And the only reason why I'm saying he could theoretically is because every quarterback that I named never had taken care of the body. Like, I use Brett Favre for the example. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre, I would love to say, you know what, Tom Brady, look at Brett Favre's career. He got to 40. That 40-year season was the miraculous one. That was the first year in Minnesota. He goes down. 
the miraculous plays that he had leads us to the NFC title game. Should have been a Super Bowl. But did Looking it. Looking at you, New Orleans, you bunch of cheaters. But should have been a Super Bowl. He gets injured, comes back for that he next breaks. season. And he just breaks in 2010 with um, 41. However, the difference to Tom Brady is Brett Favre was that reckless kind of, not reckless, but he was a gunslinger. Yeah. He was going out there. He was throwing it in the hits that you would see him take. He'd get a hit and then look from the ground up to see if he completed it. Like mm-hmm. that was the two different play styles. But with with Tom Brady back to the original question, he's got it. I think Tom Brady has to know, you know what? I, I don't think I can play till fifty. I think I think it's a ruse when we hear the oh well I'm gonna play till fifty. I don't think you're gonna play till fifty. I know mm-hmm. that people out there do not think you're gonna play to fifty. I don't know if twenty seventeen's gonna be the last season. But we might be, be we might be getting to the end of the Tom Brady era, and the one question I might have to flip this to at the mm-hmm. end is: Do the Patriots force the button of okay, you can you can continue to play, but we have to go with Jimmy Garoppolo because that's what be, that's what's best for our team. Well, the yeah, I've I've been saying this for a couple of years now that eventually the Patriots are going to get to that point where they have to make that decision, mm-hmm. um, and I thought they might want a year to see with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's why I kind of thought that maybe he would ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't done that, apparently. I mean, he still has time. He could still do it. Theory- uh, theor- wow, in theory, he could still do it. <laughs> Theoretically? Is yes. that what you're looking for? It's late. Uh, and it's it's totally possible. At the same time, it's totally possible that he goes on forever. We have no mm-hmm. clue. We just have to ask the question because the Patriots are making moves, and these moves look to point in a certain direction. Uh, When you see smoke, there might just be fire. That's not the way that phrase usually works, but that's the way it's going to work today. Uh, So I I just think we have to look at that. But, yeah, they really are going to be asked this question because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo has the opportunity to go play for, you know, San Francisco, for Chicago, for, uh, you know, Cleveland, whatever that team might be, hell, Jacksonville might need a quarterback, Mm -hmm. Blake Bortles might fall apart, who knows. Uh, If he's got the opportunity to guarantee start somewhere, He's not going to come back and be Tom Brady's backup for another year because then Tom Brady might retire. I don't know. He's not going to do that to mm-hmm. himself. Uh, the man wants to play. This is why Mike Glennon is a starting quarterback now. He, he wants, wants to, to play. Go play. I mean, he could have stayed and been the highest paid backup. Exactly. And I'm sure that Jimmy Garoppolo would be the highest paid mm-hmm. backup if he stayed. Uh, but these guys are competitive. These guys are they want to win. That's what it comes down to. The, the question will be asked, and they have to see what the Patriots want to do. And that's the whole reason why we're talking about this mm-hmm. is because that question will come well, up at the end of the year, and all the signs are pointing towards the Patriots are trying to do something. Well, and the two last points that I'm thinking about in my head that I want to make before I flip it back to you for your final remarks on this, Mark, is just two things. First off, I think of Peyton Manning. He was a guy who never played to 40. But the reason why he never got there, neck injury. And that's the big thing with Tom Brady that he does not have. Tom Brady virtually has been clean except for one bad season, mm-hmm. and it was because of a cheap shot he's only, on his knee. Yeah, he's only had three years where he hasn't, well, except for that very first year where he mm-hmm. barely showed up. He had up. that one season where he missed the entire year, and that was the Matt Castle. And then year. he had one season where he missed a game, mm-hmm. and this past season he was, was suspended. It was just suspension. Yeah. But the only times he hasn't played. That was Deflategate. We never have to bring that up again, I thought. 
I thought we never had to bring Deflategate up again. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but the last point I was going to make is the thing with that's going to pretty much, to me, not decide Tom Brady's future, but could play into it, is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, are they linked? Are they going to end at the same time? Is it going to be once Tom is done, Bill's done, or is this something where Bill goes, hey, you know what? I I know my defense. I know my wide receivers. Kind of, I can draft wide young wide receivers, get them to play well. I know my defense, defensive backs is really where I hit my money. The one position throughout my career that I haven't really hit right, and I got let's let's be honest, I struck gold with Tom Brady. I mean, there are how many teams that passed on him, and the Patriots passed on him five or six times before. They ended up drafting him. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I think of, is Bill going to walk away when Tom does and they're going to be linked? Or is this Bill going to say, hey, you know what? And a reason why they're keeping on to Garoppolo is, hey, I got lucky with Tom. Not often do you strike gold twice in the quarterback department. I ain't trading this kid because I struck gold again. And when Tom eventually does walk I need a quarterback because that's the one spot that I haven't been able to hit on in my past. Yeah, I think that one thing that's going to be interesting is there is a small debate that comes up every now and then of who's the real champion here or who's Mm -hmm. the real winner. Is it Tom Brady or is it Bill Belichick? One of the the and this doesn't have to be the case. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. what the debate is. The debate is that one of these guys has to be the better of the two. One of these guys the ring, made the, the ringmaster. Yeah, either Tom Brady elevated Bill Belichick's system, or Bill Belichick's system elevated Tom Brady, who otherwise would not be as good. Or Bill Belichick, if he coached, you know, in Houston, he wouldn't be any more successful mm-hmm. uh, than Bill O'Brien is currently. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I believe, from the Belichick tree. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I tried to make that comparison. Uh, anyways, because none of Bill Belichick's coaches really are successful. And coaching trees, some people don't like to talk about it, but I think it's interesting. Anyways, uh, if they go out together, the nice thing about that for both of them, and I'm sure they're not thinking about this, but it does shut down that argument. You can never really make that. Mm -hmm. You can never really have a definitive answer. Where if, uh, let's say Tom Brady retires and Bill Belichick keeps going, and those last two years, turns out Jimmy Garoppolo was nothing that we thought he was going to be. He's Matt Castle 2.0, whatever it might be. He's nothing, he's out, and then you know they have a three win, a five win, six win, whatever it might be. We're all going to be saying, oh, I guess it was Tom Brady. I don't know. I just well, find it interesting. It's, I'm not saying we need to have the discussion. Well, no, I just no, think no. it's interesting. It kind of in my head, the first thing I thought of when uh-huh. you were saying that is you could say the same thing for Michael and Phil mm-hmm. in the NBA. Yeah. Because the thing that we have in the NBA is Phil and Michael win six, then Phil goes to L.A., wins six more. Yep. Wins a couple more championships here. You have that debate of, oh, well, was it Phil Jackson and mm-hmm. his triangle elevating MJ? Or did Phil just have two of the best players to play in the NBA for True. since 1990? And we don't like to talk about it, but Michael Jordan didn't do very much in uh, Orlando. It wasn't Orlando. Orlando. It was Washington. Washington. We, we I don't, don't watch talk, basketball, guys. We, we don't talk about that year. It never happened. Mike. Yeah. It never happened. But before we wrap this on, before mm-hmm. we move on, any last things we didn't touch about with the Tom Brady and with the moves with Hightower and Cooks? 
No, I just think that, uh, you know, I'm sure people want us to talk about Cooks or Hightower. There's honestly, I don't think there's really that much to talk about. You're, tra- you're talking about the well, best team in the NFL, uh, keeping one player that makes them one of the best teams, adding another player who's one of the best and underrated wide receivers. Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, I mean, without they were already Super Bowl favorites, and, and they're, they're still more. Super Bowl favorites. Um, so, yeah, there's honestly not that much to talk about with that. Uh, it, the interesting thing is just the these moves. What what else do they spell? Because these GMs or Bill Belichick, because he's GM and coach, or Robert Kraft, uh, he's the owner, and Robert Kraft. These guys are thinking three, four, five years ahead. It's a chess game to them. Yeah, exactly. So that's why that's why this discussion came up. Uh, and yeah, that's all I got. Well, it's exactly like chess. You always got to be a move or two, or maybe even three moves ahead of your opponent. If you want to win, especially when it comes to success over a few years, like three to five year over that time path. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Do these moves spell out kind of like Mark said, kind of a writing on the wall for maybe this could be Tom Brady's season? Let us know down below what you guys think about everything we just talked about. And, Mark, we're going to move on into our next topic, and we're going to be talking NFL draft for the rest of the show, rest of the podcast here. This is our favorite topic coming up until May because we've got the NFL draft. We love it. We know you guys love it at home on YouTube and Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and Stitcher. And we're going to do an interesting thing today. For the safeties, we did this in the NBA on the fast break. We did this for the number one, number two pick at the time, the two guys. Usually we do, oh, here's the number one safety. Here's the number two safety, Malik Hooker and Jonathan Allen. Well, for the defensive line, we already know who number one is. Let's be honest. It's going to be Miles Garrett. He's the top defensive end in this draft. However, We've got kind of a debate going on because Todd McShay, I'm not revealing anything with yours. you got to go down to the description to see what Mark is doing with his mock draft. But Todd McShay, number two, I asked this question, too, when we talked about Solomon Thomas. I said, could he rise to the number two pick? Well, Todd McShay has Solomon Thomas going to the 49ers. And, Mark, this entire segment's going to be two versus three. I'm asking you, yep. if you are the 49ers— are you taking Jonathan Allen or are you taking Solomon Thomas? Which one's the better end mm-hmm. to you? See, this is a hard, a really hard question. Both these guys are, are players who in college are better in, in the interior. Mm-hmm. They're better interior linemen. But for the NFL, they're kind of being projected to move outside, uh, which is a little unfortunate because everyone talks about the, that bowl game against North Carolina for, mm-hmm. for Solomon Thomas. And when he really was disrupting and and making life hell for uh Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. I thought it was Michael Trubisky now. Uh oh Mike <laughs> our good buddy Michael Trubisky uh for all the all the fans Ooh, at home. He really uh, knows how to say it. Don't tell him in the comment section. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I got this. Uh uh so for making Michael's life pretty difficult, mm-hmm. uh he's doing it all from defensive tackle. He's doing it from the inside mm-hmm. for the most part. Um and same thing, of course, with with uh, with Allen is you know being pretty pretty good on the inside. The problem is these guys are both small, one in height, one in weight, uh, and that's the big fear that people have is these guys are not going to be able to do the things they did in college. Um, 
And I will rant and rave about how Solomon Thomas is a freak athlete, and I would love to have him on my favorite team of the Chicago Bears. The problem is I don't think that they're going to be as productive in college as they were in uh, – I mean, sorry, as productive in the NFL as they were in college. Um, If I had to take one of these guys to answer your question, I'm taking Solomon Thomas. I think he's put up better, uh, obviously better combine numbers. Mm -hmm. He is very impressive. He shows that he had the ability to change the game on his own. Uh, Jonathan Allen, of course, had the you know best team, well, second best team in the country. They didn't win the championship, uh, so he had a lot of NFL level talent. Where Solomon Thomas does not have that same amount of NFL level talent surrounding him. So that kind of leads me to to Thomas as well. Of course, the strength of schedule. Um, I don't know this for a fact, so I might be wrong, but well, I assuming that Alabama's strength of schedule is a lot. Well, the pack is just better. The Pac-12 is a little less. It's one of those things where Alabama is a better team, Mm -hmm. but the SEC is a lot better of a football conference than the Pac-12. Now, I will say that, and you guys might be able to figure this out from my Mm -hmm. my draft, I am not putting that much weight into the arthritis in his shoulders for Jonathan Allen. I do not believe that is going to drop him as far as people are kind of thinking he might. And the one thing for, because on the behind the pen when me and Dave talked about it, we Uh A comment saying, well, you know what, you guys, oh, it's it's a major red flag. If only you had arthritis. Yeah. You have arthritis. I you do. know what you're talking about. I've lived, I've lived with arthritis my entire life. Uh, and that is a thing. There are uh, many people who, I shouldn't say many, there are people who get arthritis, uh, called juvenile mm-hmm. arthritis, because they get it when they're a kid, and they have it for their entire life. Uh, so I greatly understand arthritis. I am not a football player, but I can still understand arthritis. Uh, and yeah, it does suck. It does not mean that your life is gone forever. In fact, physical activity can often actually help, help you because you are using those joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole reason I joined martial arts was because I was able to then use those joints that would otherwise uh, not be flexible. In fact, when I was a young little child, uh, there were times where my knees literally would not move. They were locked. Um, so these things can happen. And the, the flip side of that, though, is arthritis does not get better. You know, you can use those and get your your joints ready and, and used to the movement and stuff like that. And af- uh, athletic activity does help. Mm-hmm. At the same time, arthritis does not get better. It just... It's a Terminator. You can just slow down how badly it can get, mm-hmm. you know, or slow down the worst of it. Um, but at the same time, and I think you said that this was Dave Oster's point, maybe not on the roster. I mean, I'm sorry, not on the podcast potentially. But if an NFL team can get five, six, seven years out of them, they're happy. Yeah, no, that's exactly. And the way Dave said it was it's one of those things where, of course, we'd like to think like, Oh, you know, everyone's a human being, but care, no, yeah. really a team, it's kind of like if they can get six to seven years out of a player, they're happy. Yeah. They're happy. It's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's kind of like you think of them more as property than a player. I know we don't like to think about that kind of a thing, but to a team, it's like, yeah, no, if I can get seven years out of him, okay, I'm good. He, he if gave he, me seven good if years. If he helps you win some games, if he helps you mm-hmm. get to the playoffs, you're happy with him. Uh, and, and I think that... 
one thing that everybody is overlooking, they're talking about the arthritis and they're talking about how he didn't do that great in his combine. And that definitely is damning that mm-hmm. he didn't do very well in his combine. Well, and uh, it really helped that Solomon Thomas on was the a fucking well, knockout on the bench press, on the high jump, on the cone drill and on the 20 yard shuttle. Best top top yeah. performer in all those. Uh, but one of the things that people are ignoring is that team doctors checked out Jonathan Ellis and they said he's good to go. Mm-hmm. They said he's fine. You do not need to be concerned. That's good and enough pe- for me, right? Yeah. I mean, if and it's not like these are, oh, this just might be some quack doctor that he mm-hmm. found. No, these are NFL team doctors. These are the, you know, the teams, the guys that they trust when they are making these decisions. He is not going to drop as far as he will. The person who I think might not go as high as people are saying is Solomon Thomas. From what I have heard, NFL scouts for uh, these NFL teams are saying that we love the guy. We just don't think he's as good as you guys Mm -hmm. are saying he is. It's one of the things where the first thing I look at is the measurables. And both from the combine from NFL.com and their profiles – here are the measurables that we have. They're both 6'3". The arm length, Solomon Thomas has an arm length of 33 inches. We have Jonathan Allen at 33 and 5 eighths. So a little bit longer of an arm, not by much, like 5 eighths of an inch isn't a huge difference, but it's still a longer arm. Jonathan Allen has an additional 13 pounds on him on that frame. It's not like just, oh, he's got 13 more pounds of fat. Like he's got a little bit more good. No, he's got 13 more pounds yeah. of build on him. And then when it comes to the hands, they both have nine and three-eighths inch big hands. Those are big fucking bear paws yeah. that those two guys have. And to me, if I was picking, despite the arthritis, if I was picking at number two, I would go with Jonathan Allen. And the reason being is the thing that jumps out to me when looking at Solomon Thomas, and they even have it here on the scouting report for him on NFL.com. I'm going to read it, quote it, considered a tweener by scouts. That's something as a defensive lineman. It's one of those things where it's like. You don't want to hear that. It's not a death sentence. Like, oh, Solomon Thomas can't play in the league. But to me, that's a guy that. It's going to be, you're going to have to work really hard to bulk up a little bit. You're going to have to get up to size when you're going up against big NFL-type mm-hmm. offensive linemen. Especially, and that's part of the reason why people are trying to move him to the outside. Mm-hmm. They don't think he can handle being in the inside, inside when he was successful, when he was probably most successful in the in college ball. Mm-hmm. Boy, and that's the big thing to me. is this, if he can If he can go ahead and bulk up, fine. You know what? Take him at number two. You think he's better. I'm going with Jonathan Allen. He's got more size on him. He's got a little bit longer of an arm. And I know that you might say, Ricky, well, five-eighths isn't that big of a difference. It is to me. A it longer arm is yeah. a longer arm. Especially if you're on the outside. Especially when you got to do that swing move around and you're you're reaching for the ball. Mm-hmm. That's five-eighths more closer to the ball that he's going to get. It's a game of inches. With the reach outside. Hey, it's even a game of five-eighths inches if we're talking about this. But the thing is, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that Solomon Thomas, with his size, that it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want him going up against guards on the inside. I want him trying to go up against those smaller tackles. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, unless he's going to get help, uh, I wouldn't want him going up against guards. I would Mm -hmm. want him to be able to be flashy. But the problem, like I said, is 
that's not when he's been his best. He's been his best on the inside. So if I have Sullen Thomas, um, the first thing I'm saying is, all right, boy, let's put some let's put some meat on those bones. You know, let's get some extra muscle. Let's get some fat on there as well. Get that nice combo there. Uh, you got to get something because you got to get this guy in the position where he's going to succeed best. Because if he gets double teamed ever, he's never going to win that battle. Honestly, though, that's a pro- That's kind of a complaint with Jonathan Allen as well. If he's getting double teamed in the NFL, he is not going to win that battle. He's going to have trouble. Um, I think both these guys need to have some changes before they become really successful in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not changes that are impossible and are never going to happen. They both can easily put on some muscle, put on some fat, put on that weight. Uh, bulk up so that way they can be successful. For the NFL teams, it's just a question of which one of these guys do you think is going to be better at it. Um, and I still, even though I said earlier, I would take Solomon Thomas because I'm going off of the combine scores, mm-hmm. what I've seen from him, uh, injury scares from Allen, even though I think they are much overrated. Um, so I think that... Doctors tell me he's okay. Yeah, I'll doctor tells him. me he's okay. That guy knows what he's talking about. That's mm-hmm. what we pay him for. Uh, so I would take Solomon Thomas first. However, I do think that number two overall, like uh, McShea is saying, too high for Solomon Thomas. I'm going to read you two quotes Mm -hmm. for both Allen and Thomas, and I want you to guess. I'm going to read both of them. The fans at home, here, I'll ask you this. Should they play along with you and guess who is which? Here's quote number one, and these are from, one is from the director of scouting for an AFC team, the others for NFC director of player personnel. Here are the two quotes that NFL.com has on these two from the source. The first one is, and I quote, he's damn good. I don't think he gets drafted as early as you do because he's because he's not big enough for inside and he's not as long as you like on the outside. You have to figure out where you will play him, but he won't stop. He's going to be very, really productive. That's quote number one. Quote two is he's a a really talented pass rusher, but he's always been surrounded by enough talent that it's been hard for offenses to game plan their protection for him. He's skilled and very fundamentally sound, but I just worry about his size and how he holds up to NFL running games. End quote. This should be very easy, but who was who? Uh, your first one, Solomon Thomas. Your mm-hmm. second one is uh, Jonathan Allen. The, the talent around him gives it away. The bulking up uh, for both of them is is an issue. And then Solomon Thomas is, uh, you know, not as high as you think. Then that that is exactly what you said. That's why mm-hmm. I wanted to read it because that quote they said exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Literally, I don't think he gets drafted as early as you do. Yeah, Th- that's it, and that's coming. From a director of scouting for an AFC team. Mm-hmm. Coming and, right from the horse's mouth. Yeah, I mean, there no one's doubting that these players are good. No one's mm-hmm. doubting that they can be great and they can have fantastic NFL careers. It's just one of those things where there's a lot of talent in this draft. Uh, and maybe someone like Solomon Thomas is kind of getting forced to be higher than he should be, and the hype will be much. But you know what? Do you think the combine performance kind of did that when you're? The I think that top, did when you're the top performer in bench press, high jump. Cone, I think it's and a shuttle. little bit of a combination of that. Uh, it, sudden injury scares with Jonathan mm-hmm. Allen, and people are still high on that bowl game. Solomon Thomas, for many people, was not even 
uh, in the first round of their draft, their first mock draft that they did before mm-hmm. that bowl game. He has a bowl game, and suddenly everyone throws him in there. Um is basically what happened. So that's just what, you know, that's what this time of the year is. It's all about hype. I'm going to ask you this, and the only reason I'm asking you this is because you are a Bears fan, Mm -hmm. and we have to throw our weekly Bears question in there for Mark each and every week. Let's say Todd McShay's draft does hold, and we get Miles Garrett 1, Solomon Thomas number 2. I'm putting you in the shoes of Ryan Pace. Welcome. You are now Ryan Pace. Fantastic. Who are you drafting at 3? Are you going to go with Todd McShay and take Jamal Adams? Or are you going to say, you know what? Jonathan Allen is there. I'm taking him. Well, I'd probably take Malik Hooker. Uh, but if I had the cho- <laughs> if I had to choose between those two, I'm going to take Adams. Uh, not anything against Allen in that case. I just don't think Chicago Bears' defensive line is not where they need it. They need help in the safety. Uh, well, defensive backs in general. Um, but, yeah, that'd be interesting to see three defensive mm-hmm. And defensive tackles go uh, right at the beginning. Well, I'm surprised that even a a guy we're going to talk about next in O.J. Howard, he's at number four, and Jonathan Allen falls to five. And like the Titans get a gift at number five. Yeah, there's a a lot of teams that feel like this is the greatest possible situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Jets would be happy if he fell. I think the Jaguars, like that's the one thing I disagree, and we're going to get into O.J. Howard later. But when it comes to Allen. It's one of those things where I feel like either Allen or Thomas, if they're available at four, I think Jacksonville snags them. More so Allen than Thomas, but it's one of those things. If Jonathan Allen's there at four, I think the Jaguars go, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Let's take them here. We can always get the tight end later. Well, yeah, getting a tight end that early is ridiculous. Uh, We'll get to it in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um but, yeah, I think any of these teams are going to be hard-pressed to pass up on a guy like uh, Jonathan Allen. Well, and any last things? I know that we've talked about Thomas Allen. I'm just going to one last time. If you have to pick, we're putting it out there. Thomas yep. and Allen, who are you going with? Right now I'm probably going to take Solomon Thomas, even though I've you know said that I think he's getting a little overrated. I still think that he can bulk up. And you know what? Something people don't really talk about that much, but why can't he – an outside linebacker either you know why can't he stand up mm-hmm. instead of keeping a, a hand down uh i think solomon thomas is enough of a freak athlete to where you have more versatility jonathan allen you need him to bulk up to become that interior lineman and that's pretty much all like he's got that one option for you i'm gonna i'm gonna go against you i'm gonna go jonathan allen only because i know he had so much talent around him at alabama but he is a guy to me it's one of those things where we've talked about it before. In he can in a four three, he can be the guy in the outside for you. I think in a three four, he could be the guy in the interior. He can kind of do both for you. You can kind of put him where you need. He's got a little bit more versatility with Thomas. He can do the same thing, but it's all about bulking up. And I know Jonathan Allen's got to bulk up a little, but Solomon Thomas usually when it's bulk up, I look at it and go. Yeah, that's not something that's a really red flag because it's possible that comes down to the determination and how are you going to hit the weight room and are you going to put in your work? That's what it comes down to. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think. Who would you take, Thomas, or would you take Allen? And tell us why down in the comment section. And, Mark, we got to move on into our last topic here for our 
kind of two-thirds draft podcast here for the Onside Kick. And we're going to be focusing on another top five pick, this time the Jacksonville Jaguars in Todd McShay's mock draft. And the reason why we're focusing on the Jaguars is because he has them taking an interesting or interanting player. I think I said that right. Spanish, please help me with my Spanish down below. But an interesting player at number four, O.J. Howard. And Mark, I'm going to get right to it. Is O.J. Howard a top five pick? Should he be worth a top five pick in the draft? Um, no, I don't think so. And also, your Spanish sucks. It does. Uh, but it does. Uh, Spanish four, by the way. Oh, Went good all job. the way through. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> uh, you know, here's, here's the thing about O.J. Howard. There's no doubt that he is the best tight end in the draft. There's no mm-hmm. doubt that he's an exceptional talent, that he can be a difference maker on teams, and that he will get picked in the first round, and it will be a decent uh, pick. I don't want to necessarily say it's an early pick, but a decent pick. Uh, the problem is OJ Howard, the tight end, just isn't probably going to get you the value mm-hmm. that you know some of these other defensive players are going to get you. Uh, should you take OJ Howard instead of a quarterback? Yeah. Sure, because these quarterbacks aren't that great. Because you have Blake Bortles. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but some of these things is just like, you know, O.J. Howard, it, it's it's kind of a struggle there because I'm always that person that says it doesn't really matter when a player was drafted if it works out. You know, if it works out well, you could have you could be the team that reaches for O.J. Howard, number one overall. It's not happening, but let's just pretend. Number one overall, you could reach for him, but if he catches a touchdown and it's the game winner of the Super Bowl, then it worked. Then that's all that matters. This is this draft day. This is the mm-hmm. premise of draft day. Nobody cares about when things happened as long as it works in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that for a lot of these people, like sure, OJ Howard's going to be uh, a great player, and he's tall, and he can catch it in the end zone, and, and blah blah blah. But I just I just don't see. I don't know. I just struggle with the idea of taking a tight end in the top ten. Mm-hmm. It's just you're passing up on a lot of great value there, and sure you'll probably miss out on the tight end. But there's a lot of players that are good tight ends. You're not going to maybe get the Rob Gronkowski. I will tell uh, you, but you, there's a lot of good players out there. You want to know one of them that they could probably get, depending on how his stock rises. Sure, I'm thinking third round they could go after this guy, Jake Butt out of Michigan. Yeah, and he is a guy where you look at his NFL.com profile. And the where it says sources tell us this is an AFC director of scouting even says just what you did. He's going to be a good pro. Everyone wants Kelsey Olsen Gronk, but those are elite players. But is dependable and will make first downs. If I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't need to go hit the home run. I know that the big thing right now, and this might be an overreaction with the mock draft of, oh, they mm. gave up Julius Thomas. They have to replace him right away. Yeah. Well, really, they don't have to go out and get a all-star tight end because if you look at the roster, you do have the Allen and Allen outside. You have Marquise Lee, who right now is your slot receiver. Is Marquise Lee a home run guy? No, but he's quality there. And Like I said, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns are your one-two punch deal, on the yeah. outside. And you even have Mercedes Lewis right now who's locked in as your number one overall tight end. Is Mercedes Lewis the best tight end that no, you could have? No, but he's no, no scrub. But he is dependable, and he is a guy that if I'm sitting there 
I'm like, okay, he's our number one tight end. I don't think we have to he go will and get over the job for done. Him. Exactly. And I think that if you bring in a guy like Jake Butt, you can have Lewis and Butt out there because mm-hmm. it looks like Jacksonville is going to run a double tight end set with Doug Marone and Nathan and that are Nathaniel Hackett, the OC. That's where I think Jacksonville goes tight end. Go second, go third round, depending on where Butt stock is. When we get to draft day, because with O.J. Howard, the big kind of knock that it seems like everyone has against him is that he never lived up to the hype. But the good thing for O.J. Howard is it looks like scouts are looking at that and going, hey, you know what? It's not his fault he didn't live up to the hype. Lane Kiffin didn't know how to use him. Sure. Uh, and that's definitely a possibility. And you get those coaches who are saying, hey. I know what to do with this guy. I can use him. And you see that all the time with quarterbacks. You see it with wide receivers that didn't pan out mm-hmm. uh, or a running back potentially where they're saying, hey, no, no, it, it was just the wrong situation. I can make this guy good. I can I can do it. I know how to do it. Uh, and it's certainly possible. I think O.J. Howard has great potential to have a good career. Um, some people want to question the mentality of the guy. Uh, but I think he can have a good career. It just... I see a lot of these draft picks, and I've seen people even as high as the Chicago Bears saying, hey, they don't have Martellus Bennett, Bennett anymore. Zach Miller's not always healthy. Should the Bears go for that? You know, I that's as high as I've seen him go is number mm-hmm. three. Uh, and I just sit there and I think you can get such good talent in other spots that are harder to find that talent mm-hmm. uh, early on. So a tight end... You can find yourself a serviceable tight end, uh, and it'll be be good. I mean, the problem for O.J. Howard, if O.J. Howard was an exceptional blocker as well as a wide or was or, like or the, receiving threat. Or was like the next Gronk or Greg Olson. Yeah, then I would say like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll give it to you. Go ahead and draft him. Mm-hmm. If you had another draft and you had Gronkowski 2.0 minus the injuries, um, yeah, sure, I could see top 10 pick, maybe not top 5 pick. Uh, but I can see a top 10 pick out of that. Um, so five through 10. Uh, but to, yeah, I just, to me, it goes down to with the anomaly aside of like Rob Gronkowski, um, the difference between your top of the line, but not necessarily elite tight end and your slightly below average tight end is not that huge of a difference compared to your above average to below average corner. Or defensive end. Well, and that's why with me, and this is nothing to do with O.J. Howard's talent, because I think we're both in agreement here that, hey, you know what? He's a very talented oh, awesome. tight end. I just look at all the teams like that could be drafting, and I wanted to find a spot for him. If, the, if Jacksonville doesn't take him, Tennessee, I would probably go corner and wide receiver over a tight end with their picks. The Jets don't need a tight end. Chargers don't. Panthers don't. Bengals don't. Bills, I wouldn't. Saints, eh, you got two picks. I wouldn't. I would go defense with both. The Browns aren't going to go it. The Cardinals won't. Eagles won't. Colts. I've heard Colt fans in the comment section say how we better not draft a tight end. Ravens won't. Redskins won't. It brings me to the 19th and the 20th pick. The Bucks and the Broncos might be the spot where... We see the first tight end off the board, not because of talent, but because of needs and other positions prioritizing before the tight end. Because the one thing with Tampa Bay you got to look with, Austin Seraph and Jenkins, no longer there. 
That experiment didn't work out. They really need a tight end. And then the Broncos really haven't had that tight end since, I mean, you could kind of say Owen Daniels and uh, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning's last season, but they haven't had that that guy at the tight end position since Peyton Manning made Julius Thomas into who we think a he is today. A guy who got paid. Yeah, yeah. a guy who got paid. Uh, I, I really don't, you know, I I think in my, you you can see it on mostvaluablepodcast.com, my 2.0, I was low on O.J. Howard, and part of it to me was just I had other guys going, and I was like, oh, and I got to him, and I'm like, eh, somebody probably would have taken him by mm-hmm. now. I have him in the low 20s, uh, or should I say high 20s, mm-hmm. um, and it's just one of those situations where it's like, yeah, he certainly could go, but I think a lot of teams are going to evaluate not just the BPA because you know teams talk about BPA a lot, but not everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, drafting the best player available, a lot of teams are looking at what do I need, and there are teams that need a tight end, but tight end is rarely going to be as huge of a need for teams as you know offensive line defensive line uh defensive backs linebackers you know these are typically going to be the things that a team will think of first before they think of the tight end not that a tight end is the cherry on top but it's at least the sprinkles right Mm -hmm. especially Um, for the offense yeah exactly you're going to want to have wide receivers probably or running back potentially before you have your tight end um and not everybody wants a guy who's going to go out there and catch the ball. A lot of people, uh, a lot of teams are still thinking about, you know, Gronkowski aside, are still thinking about guys who can block and who can help your quarterback mm-hmm. not get hit. Will help your run game. Help your run game get started. They want a guy who can block. And unfortunately for O.J. Howard, that's not really what you're getting out of him. Uh, can he do it? Sure, but he's not known for it. Uh, and that might be the kind of thing where... You know, might push him back. I'm not saying he's going to go as low as I probably, you know, uh, are making it seem at the moment. But that'll be the thing that'll push him back towards, you know, past 15 potentially. I'll throw this out there because the last two years, 2016, 2015, it's been Hunter Henry and Max Williams were the first tight ends off the board, both of which were second round picks. The last first round pick that we had was 2014. It was 10th overall by the Lions. Do you have an idea of who that was? God, I don't even remember. Eric Ebron. Oh, so that's I'm right. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to ask you this question. Where is he now? He is still with the Lions. Still with the Lions? Um, Good. Here's the question for you. Is O.J. Howard on the same par as Eric Ebron was coming out to kind of justify the he is a first-round talent mm. rather than, ah, he might slide to the second round? I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm kind of forgetting a little bit, and I and I liked Ebron when he came out. Maybe I'm forgetting a little bit of the hype, but I think OJ Howard has more hype than Eric Ebron did. A lot of hype, yeah. and mainly because of Alabama. And I mean the the, the tight end before we had um, before in 2013, the first tight end off the board was he is a Pro Bowler, Tyler Eifert. Oh yeah, went to the Bengals. We also had in the second round Zach Ertz was the second one off the board, 35th overall. So I think that the Tyler Eifert thing, because he went 21, I think that's going to be where O.J. Howard sits because it's one of those things where I don't think teams are going to be like, yeah, let's go grab a tight end, even in the top 10, even Mm -hmm. in the top 10. Because like I said, these teams have different needs. Now, if, if you're asking me, well, Ricky, throw me a bone, throw me a wild card team, 
in the top 10 that could go after a tight end. I mean, maybe the maybe the Titans, but I wouldn't because you still got Delaney Walker. I wouldn't go with Jacksonville because you have Mercedes Lewis. I mean, I wanted to say the Panthers, but they have Greg Olson. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Chargers because they say, you know what, Antonio Gates is getting old. I know they have Hunter Henry, so you know what? Screw it. They might not even take it either. The top ten is loaded with teams that already have already have their tight end figured out, already have them figured out. Maybe the Bills at ten. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that the value is not really there for a tight end most mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, could he surprise us? Sure, and a team could really be high on him. Uh, but just more times than not, tight end's not a position you're going to jump for. Let me ask this question, because the Bucks mm-hmm. and the Broncos are the two teams I threw out there. Do either of those teams maybe trade up to get— I'm not saying trade to the top five to get them, but yeah. do, do either of those teams on draft day go— Hey, you know what? He could get taken by this team. Let's trade up and get him. I think if it's like two or three spots, maybe. I can't imagine one of these teams making a big trade for a tight end. Because they're the big ones that need it. Yeah. They're the big Like I mean, the only other teams past them, and this is if he falls, that I could maybe see him go to is like maybe the Seahawks. Because, I mean, Jimmy Graham hasn't been exactly what they would have hoped uh-huh. after trading for him. I mean, Dallas, if you're—honestly, if he's around by Dallas's pick, I wouldn't he's be gone. surprised if they take him because yeah. Jason Witten is getting older. I mean, the Packers lost Jared Cook, mm-hmm. so if he's around for the Packers, they could take him. For sure. There are late teams in this draft that are like, eh, maybe we could see he him He wouldn't go get there. past that. He's not going to be taken in the second round. He's, he's a first-round first round. talent for sure. Yeah. But it's one of those things where I don't think he's—I I don't think he's a top-five talent. It's one of those things where I look at it and go, well, is it, am I saying that mostly because Alabama didn't know how to use him? No, I'm saying that because I just I, I think that it's one of those things where he's a good player, but I don't think he's that tight end that comes out and it's like Gronkowski, like Olsen, like Kelsey. He's not that player that, boom, changes your offense if he's the only one that's there. You have to have that offense in place and you have to know how to use them because if you don't know how to use them, you're just basically being Alabama of the NFL for OJ Howard. Although being Alabama might not be a bad situation. I'm not talking about the winning part, Mark. I'm talking about how you use them in your scheme. The winning that's part's nice. At. The winning part is nice. So maybe he'll follow the Patriots. Hey, there you go. In the uh, second round, if they have one. I don't think they need them. I think <laughs> no, they'll be they okay. don't. I think they, they've got enough tight ends. But kind of to wrap this up and wrap the podcast up, do you think he's a top five pick? And if so, tell me why. If not, let me know. No to top five. The value's just not there. It doesn't make sense. Maybe to top ten, uh, top ten. I don't completely agree with it, but I can see your argument. Top 15, okay, I'll give you that. So he's a top 15. He's in the top half. Yep. Of the draft when it comes to Mark Weber. But Mark, anything that we missed this podcast, this entire podcast, did we hit everything? Did we screw all our screws, nail all our nails in place? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of things have happened and a lot of things keep happening in the NFL. It's it's fun time. It's well, fun time right now. This is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think. Is OJ Howard a top five pick in the draft? What do you think about Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Allen? And then 
the Tom Brady discussion. Do you think that 2017 is the last year for Tom Brady? I want to thank you guys for either watching the podcast here on YouTube or listening to it on Blog Talk, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you loved it, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to help the podcast just a little bit more, go check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast just a way for you guys to help the podcast, help the channel out a little bit more and get rewarded for doing so in the process. I want to thank you guys one more time for spending your day, evening, night with us. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.